0: This or no? 1, 1, 1, 1. This is her vegan them. Yo eating it's your benza and two outlaws on the lamb, taking the back roads through America. You
1: can't drink a coffee for this show. And now it's time for Monday Madness with the Moped Outlaws, Greg and Mark.
0: Good morning.
1: Good morning, Mark Nom.
0: Good morning, Mark Nom. Nom Nom. (laughs) Nom, It's it's Moped Outlaws putting to a a podcast near you.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Right next to you, in fact.
0: Mm. In fact, we're in your ears.
1: We're in your mother's cupboard. It's fall. It's fall, my friend.
0: It is.
1: You guys getting a little spooky around the house?
0: I dreamt that the apocalypse happened last night. There were nuclear bombs going off and it's like, that's what? no
1: dream. That was seven o'clock news.
0: <laughs> so that's pretty spooky.
1: Wow. Did it did you wake up?
0: While well, I'm here. Aren't I?
1: <laughs> I don't know. Are you?
0: <laughs> no. Yeah. I mean, it, I didn't like wake up and startled in the middle and get to escape it. I actually got to run around and witness the chaos for a little while. Wow. Um, I was checking in with myself about why my subconscious was going there and what was it that was happening. And yeah, it's been an introspective morning.
1: What did you uh, arrive at in that realm?
0: I went to a funeral yesterday. Um, well, it was a celebration of life, but it had been, you know, delayed for months because of the all the different factors, including vaccination, COVID, et cetera. And it was well. I'll just say it. the The funeral was for a guy named Grant Imahara, and Grant was. Among other things, someone who rebuilt R2-D2 for the prequels is mm-hmm. an electrical engineer, but he also went on to become one of the main talents on a show called Mythbusters. And I knew Grant from when he was first an intern and then an employee at THX. um home the THX. guy with the
1: goatee and the glasses?
0: No, it's, yeah. this is the Japanese-American uh, electrical engineer person. Okay. And... uh Anyway, so because a lot of Lucasfilm employees uh, knew Grant that we had a special event at the building that used to be ILM. ILM's not there anymore. It's like the world has changed. And so we were there and we watched these very moving pe- things being shared by people who remembered him and videos that were made for him and his family was there and we got to see people we hadn't seen like for me it's been like 6 7 years since i saw most of these people and so it was really this rich emotional landscape and it was on a big sound stage and there were you know we were we were treated you know there was this beauty to it and then you know there was like Japanese whiskey that was like aged in a barrel 15 years that we could have there was any you know these incredible like but very they were very good tasting but not opulent like it wasn't a bunch of lobster and craziness on the food it was veggies and some good cheeses and you know stuff like that um but because it wasn't a church and a gravesite i don't think people emo- let go emotionally like there was a little bit of crying during the various shares, but generally speaking, it was very much, you know, kept to kind of a social event. So, I'm just you thinking Norm of Norm. McDon- you find humorous about I'm, a funeral.
1: <laughs> I'm just thinking of Norm McDonald's uh, in an interview. There's this famous clip going around. He's all, you know, I hear a lot of people talking about celebration of life when someone dies and to be happy. And when I die, fuck that, man. I'm dead. You be sad. Right.
0: Well, that's a great point of view. And anyway, so I think it was so moving to remember the time I spent with Grant and to remember what he meant To me, And then to hear everybody else's point of view. And then afterwards, to be able to have a little bit of food and drink and reconnect with each other. I mean, I haven't been at a social event where I've hugged people for a long, long time. And to be hugging these people who I was involved with some of the most potent, productive parts of my life when I was with Lucasfilm. And I really deeply miss it. Like I dream about it often. And so the other thing that was coming up for me was that uh, I went to perform Saturday night. I got invited to perform and play music for a small party in Santa Rosa. And as I was getting dressed to go party, I was realizing how I'm not happy with the way my body looks. And so I was confronted with this aspect of myself. And so I, 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 Put it, put put it together, and I went and I had a blast, and I was exhausted and my body hurt, you know, from h- humping gear, carrying gear, and
1: um, how are you in the collar now? <laughs> you referred to her as gear, <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah, and um, carrying it up the stairs and loading it in and out of the studio, blah blah blah, and so then so between that and the sense of loss of my old
1: past. That equated to the apocalypse. <laughs>
0: well, let me finish. I had this long conversation with a woman who is now a producer who um, was like, you should send me that script you were talking about. Right. And so in one way, there was an opening So right, right. we talked about production. And so the dream started that I was back at Lucasfilm and it was a, the new group of people producing stuff. And I was on set. You know, working, making things happen, and it was an outdoor set, right? It was we were on location somewhere, and so as the dreams progressing, we're going through various challenges, and I'm trying to find somebody, and I finally, I'm like coming out of this tent, and I'm looking at them up in the horizon, and like it's the giant plumes, right of of massive clouds, this
1: mushroom cloud,
0: yeah it wasn't really the famous mushroom cloud. It was more like the, the mini nuke, right? But <laughs> nonetheless, this was the same thing. Like, we're all right, everything's changing. This is it's, life is not what it's going to be or life isn't what it was, blah, blah, blah. And so when I woke up, I realized, well, I'd already resolved to and taken some steps yesterday to, to begin the healing path about my weight. And then, so there's some grief around letting go of the habits, right? And then there's unexpressed grief about the loss of my work partnerships, which became very poignant because I I was right in the emotional fields of all these people that I actually love, right? It wasn't just work there. And then this small bit of loss of grant, and I don't mean to minimize his loss. I'm not saying that it was just like, it'd be untruthful for me to claim the, how close I was to him and that he called me on the, like, that didn't happen. Right. But the overall picture was one, I woke up this morning and was doing my various practices. And I, I was like, I actually began to kind of cry when I was doing my Qigong because I realized there was this grief that wanted to come out. So that's been my experience. It's, I think it's all about releasing grief and the, the symbols that are, change. are. Yeah. And
1: the, Profound the change. Of the world. Right. Right. Yeah. Um,
0: and then I read the, a new, uh, of course in miracles and I was like, Oh, there's this whole like thing that's being created. Like right? Today was like about the ego. Like you, as long as you believe the ego, then I can't get in. But as soon as you like, just say, hey, help me with the ego, then I'm available, right? This is the voice of the book, which um, one could presume it is Jesus talking through the book.
1: <laughs> oh, man. I saw your post Friday. Speaking of all this kind of stuff. What post? On Facebook. Your Facebook. Which one singular? Well, I thought you only did one. I thought you're only allowed one.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, I just want to make sure because there was this other one that showed up. I got a bunch of comments on, which Uh, was from a year ago. Really? And I was like, Facebook, what are you doing? Like, how are you showing this year old post to people and they're commenting on it?
1: Well, I think what happens if someone happens to come across a post and they post all of a sudden, it's got new life.
0: I saw so someone did record. comment on it. Someone went digging a deeply one year into my timeline and <laughs> left me a really sweet comment.
1: And right. then everyone chimed in.
0: <laughs> and then, you're right, because it cop- it popped up on their timeline again.
1: Right, right,
0: or wherever notifications or yeah. whatever it was.
1: So I really, yeah. w- I really wanted to be my irksome self on that Facebook Friday post, and I was like, you know what? just take a breath like it said <laughs> I was like I don't need to do that um, Yeah, it just occurs to me like you really went to a wake for Grant yeah but you really like it sounds like this wake was really um, a passing of the whole Lucasfilm thing you know like you never really had a some kind of chapter marker experience of letting this go and that this profound aspect of your life was moving on. It sounds like that's kind of what happened for you this weekend.
0: I think you're right. I totally think you're right. Um, Because it was really clear that we were all there together. And the, the thing that wasn't there was the work we were doing.
1: And just for the body thing, I'm just what helped change what I was given this advice years ago, six years ago, when I started working with JT and Jake Peterson and Jake said to me, you really want to change your physical form, no sugar, no salt, no white flour. And I did that for three months. And um <sighs> Fresh fruit was okay. So, you know, when you, when sugar, it was like really no, nothing with processed sugar in it. Yeah. Including maple syrup and honey.
0: Wow. Because the, what well, maple syrup, I understand. Honey, it's sugar, but, it, and it's processed by bees.
1: Yeah. But here's Even the raw honey. Here's what I think it was for me, from my personal experience, was it was, it was a, the white flower was the one that surprised me. That was super like, wow. And salt. Everything. Yeah, so it just changed my consciousness, my connection with those three elements. And now they're back in my life now, but they're not back the way they were. And it kind of reminds me, like I remember in my 20s, I poured buckets of salt on fries and tons of sugar in my coffee and i just think wow like i really cashed a major check in my 20s for my physical well-being
0: yeah you made a deposit the devil's bank
1: yeah man (laughs) fuck and they're like, yeah, well, you were going to live to the end of your 90s quite healthy, but work now, you'll be lucky if you see 75.
0: I don't think it works that way.
1: I don't know. I i think it does, just from the my elders that I've seen pass away. In fact, the, one of the profound ones was Tom, Liz's stepfather. Yeah. I remember this great conversation I had with him where I was asking him about Reengaging with life because he was pretty much just watching TV and he was he had mourned when Liz's mom passed really profoundly, that was a deep wound in, fact, in his life. Yeah. yeah, and he said he remembers when it came this point in his life where he could reengage and he chose not to, and now he was living out the ramifications of that choice.
0: Yeah. I mean, what I was speaking to a minute ago is the idea that if you believe you can or you believe you can't, you're right.
1: There's an element of that, true.
0: And then there's just the reality of what your genetics are and how well you curate your health, right? Right. And curation of health includes celebration and joy. And and my grandpa Ozzy said, Moderation in all things, including moderation.
1: Well, part of like with Course of Miracles, what I've been really <laughs> meditating on the past few days is God is joy. God is hope. So if I'm in a process that I think is spiritual and there's no joy in it, that's not spiritual. That's ego.
0: Right. I, I love that. That's a brilliant way to see it. Yeah. So that's how, kind of how I started my day. And I'm, I'm starting to lift a little bit. Um, Uh I got through all my journaling and all my practices and I'm, I have, um, a bunch of things planned for the day that are going to be productive and, um, I'm looking forward to it. And, uh, yeah, just getting to hug
1: people.
0: (laughs) So, right and uh, yeah. oh my god yeah and uh, and meeting new people that I hadn't met before, and getting to know them for a minute and um you know everyone was it was solemn in a sense, but everyone was willing to like escape just the salinity of the event and and be connected because it was such a treasure to see everybody right we'd all you know had it' been so long and it was it's such a you know blessing and I think. You know, isolation is a real thing. Talk about health. You know, yeah. that's one of the things about this whole COVID thing that's been so really damaging to people's health is the isolation piece. Um, and I remember our recent trip to um, Equator, no, um, Red Whale Coffee, uh-huh. Uh-huh. which is in Terra Linda. And if you're in Terra Linda, go to Red Whale Coffee. They're uh-huh. really yeah. good.
1: Well, you've um, in Tam Junction too.
0: And they have a really cool spot to hang out. Anyway, I remember hanging out with you in person. And it had been a while since we'd ha- hang out in person and getting a hug then. And I was like, yeah. <laughs>
1: right in the middle of the street <laughs> for everyone to see.
0: Just showing them the example the <laughs> of, it's time, people. Get over yourself.
1: It's so interesting because for me, a dystopian, is it dystopian or dystopian?
0: tomato tomato whatever i don't
1: know my children are cussed. What's
0: dionysus right, right?
1: So it's so close to me like i i feel like we're living a 1984 scenario not literally 1984 but that dystopian story as an example i finished spike lee's uh whole four part series yeah it's brilliant um One of the things I noticed is after the insurrection, of course they um, tighten up security around the White House and the Capitol. And now there's this fucking sick metal fence that's thick and hardcore with barbed wire at the top. And it's like, okay, there's another step away from our freedom. You know, like we're creating an environment of fear and security. And I was thinking about, I don't know if I i was speaking to someone about this. So if I'm repeating myself, you can stop me. I was thinking about the shooting that just happened at a store. I think it was a Kohl's store a few days ago. And people were talking about they need metal detectors and more security. I was like, so there it is. It's instead of taking a step to how about making it really hard to get a gun instead. It's like, let's tighten security. So now just going into a store is an experience of fear. And, you know, like we're just making the walls closer and closer.
0: Um, This brings up so many great ideas for me. Um, One, after the events of January 6th, 2021, when a bunch of really misguided people broke into the halls of the people and defamed them in an attempt to try and stop the certification of an election at the behest of a megalomaniac wannabe public servant.
1: Well, I don't think that's a wannabe public servant. That's a wannabe... Starting something
0: <laughs> Anyway, after all that shit went down yeah. A few months later, it was, it was obvious so Joe Biden was president, he was started working things And, you know, early in the spring They took all those walls down Yeah
1: So and that fence of- isn't there That I saw in Spike well,
0: that- let me finish okay. They took it down Because the, the idea is that It's the people's house right. And it shouldn't have to be this way And then as things started heating up again, there was another call to action by the same groups, the Proud Boys and some of these other groups, about how they were going to go and have a protest in Washington around the election results. And just in the last day or so, um, you're going to be the audience, you're listening to this later, but the results from the Arizona's like fourth or fifth audit of the election done by the people that the people chose from the Trump former Trump administration to do the audit has come back and guess what? There was actually less votes for Trump than they thought <laughs> and more <laughs> votes for Biden. Anyway, the, to coincide with the results of this count, there was going to be another protest in Washington. And there was a lot of back, you know, channel chatter that was saying there was, that was being driven by a lot of these right wing, you know, I'm just going to say it hate mongering violence, harboring douchebags. Who think they believe in America, and um, they were coming back, so they had to put the wall back up again, right? Because they they there was like a protest by these same people that did it, and I think that ultimately that sort of wall goes up, wall comes down, wall goes up, wall comes down will be reflective of how much neo-Nazi street protests we see. Like the less we see neo-Nazi. You know, street protests. The more, the more, the the less we'll see the walls up around the Capitol. Now, the other point I wanted to make was a mutual friend of ours who's deceased, a man named Don Wheaties, who was kind of a brilliant, funny guy. Um, He lived through the '60s and '70s and the uh, the Cultural Revolution in the United States. He was a good man, and he he and I used to sit because we were roommates for a while we used to sit and smoke weed and talk and he he talked to me about how every little advancement of what he called the safety nazis eroded our freedoms a little bit so this whole idea of what we went through after 911 where we had to take our shoes off and right like it's just this little slices of liberty that get taken away from us to compensate for this sense of fear right right and now we're 1 year into the resolution of the pandemic via vaccine and there's still a lot of fear and anguish in people who are like and and in 2020 a lot of our rights and our a lot of our movement and a lot of things got totally curtailed and people rebelled and people that I disagreed with rebelled even though I agreed with the principles they were talking about I agreed with the conclusions and the fear that was driving it right so it's really mixed bag to me like yeah you know there's a virus and we need to do this and yeah it's the wrong thing to do to like pretend that we can somehow all be safe as a result of curtailing our fears because at a certain point it becomes worse than death.
1: Well, what was interesting with Spike's documentary to me is it really, he, what I thought he did really well is he didn't say it. He just showed all these interviews and all these newsreel and media things from people's phones, et cetera. It was like, there really is a pandemic. Mm-hmm. Um, and I heard on the news last week that we had just surpassed the amount of deaths from COVID-19 uh, had passed the Spanish flu of 1918. Right. And all alone in the 20s, I was hearing like, well, that was a far worse situation because death was so instantaneous, et cetera, et cetera. And then I hear, well, now COVID-19 surpassed that. So there is a real pandemic. And yeah, you're right in the sense like our reaction. I guess that's kind of a Course in Miracles thing is our thoughts and therefore our actions and reactions are creating our freedom or creating our hell.
0: I totally agree with you. Yeah. And and it's so odd because if you try to break it down along – the polarity that exists between what we'll call anti-vaxxers or or COVID deniers or whatever you want to term you want to lose. I actually think that there's some um, intelligence around the loss of freedoms in that discussion that those people present, but it gets motivated by this fear, right? So on both sides, there's this fear thinking of, oh, we're all going to die from a pandemic, you know, save us. And then the other side is the government's trying to control us. And we they're going to put robots in our bloodstream and, and both things are motivating people from the opposite place that I would like to be motivated in my life. I want to come from a place of like um, serenity and love and courage. Right. And I remember like feeling like it was a courageous act to go to Costco and stock up back in 2020. Like I really, I donned all this stuff of gloves, and I when I when I got back, I sprayed every box. We removed all of the right. I did this whole routine just to you know deal with my fear and and someone I live with fear of contracting the virus from touching
1: a box. It's so crazy. That right? sounds very uh, Marin. I was going into Costco, the land of the unknown, to buy mass quantities of things. And there's someone in some fucking third world country going, fuck, I'm i a to go to a, Costco. a roof over my head.
0: I'd kill to have the money to go to a Costco right now. Exactly.
1: Yeah. You got yeah. cases of toilet paper? Fuck you.
0: <laughs> well, I think that's a kind of shempa on your part, really. You're just, yeah. like, pooping all over my, my fear story.
1: Yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but I think it's it's worthwhile because it pokes fun at the whole idea of how relativistic it, it all is, right? Like, I'm worried about that. And then, meanwhile, there's some people in South Africa and who, like, they can't shelter in place. They can't. There's no grocery stores to go to. There's, you know, it's the usual sort of horrific um imbalance of resources that exists even more so now, you know.
1: Is there music in the background?
0: Yeah, my meditation music is filling the house right now.
1: I agree. <laughs> what yeah. a fucking hippie. <laughs> hey man, I just want us all to get along.
0: Yeah, watch out. Um I'm a I'm a hippie up to a point. <laughs>
1: You like water, my son. Um,
0: Have you ever seen an icicle?
1: Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) What are you going to do? Spit on me?
0: (laughs) God, when are you going to get over that?
1: Never. (laughs) To my grave, Mark went to my grave.
0: Hey, I brought it up last week.
1: All right. See, when are you going to get over that? to my grave wilker
0: to my grave
1: ah oh, touch you touch you doing the shampoo, jazz <laughs> love it um i have spoken with some very intelligent people who are not getting vaccinated and i support their logic you know it doesn't change my choice for myself that <laughs> just this morning in a work meeting we have this um online cloud-based platform for managing projects in a team environment and someone was saying how about if we all and they were talking about the um personal choices one can have for notifications and i was like why are we talking about that as a team thing that's It's created for your own personal like if you want messages, you get them, and if you don't, you turn them off. And I don't know. There seems to What's your point? I don't know. (laughs) Do I need one? That's my point. Do I need a point? (laughs) My point is there's a lot of energy vying for everyone to do it this way. Where it really doesn't fucking matter.
0: <laughs> yeah, there's six ways to do everything, right? Four or more.
1: Yeah.
0: And so, yeah, um, I'm trying to relate that to what we were talking about before. Oh, I think you're about to say something about how you guys wanted to meet in person and it was somehow there was a vaccine conversation that came up, but I don't know.
1: No, what I was saying from
0: that, from vaccine. Well, okay, so.
1: For from that, like personal
0: choices now. Right,
1: exactly. Right, that's it. Like so, that's (laughs) the thing. It's like uh, you know, you should get vaccinated. I think should as soon. Even when I say should, there's a a red flag that goes off, and it's like, what the fuck's really going on here? Mm -hmm. Because should and must, those two words, I think, are like fucking weights around the ankle
0: you know yeah well that's part of the lesson of our time um, I you might not have seen the Facebook post I posted um, I guess Wednesday which had the there's this old storyline from Star Trek movies where um,
1: I did see that where you talked about the good that Spock and human and
0: yeah and the basic premise is that the 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 good outweigh the many or the few the needs of the the many outweigh the needs of the few or the but one that's logic and that's logic right
1: and then the human then well, is
0: right and then in the next film which they made us 3 years to wait 3 years to hear this part right was well Spock comes back and there's this moment where he decides well we need to risk everybody to go save um, Chekhov because that's the human thing to do is to okay. risk the needs of the, the everyone to save the one. And... I think that perfectly encapsulates the, the the dichotomy that people are facing in this thing. And what I noticed was a lot of the people that jumped on with likes, because I popped that down in the middle of an, a, someone who was ref- saying they didn't want to be vaccinated.
1: Right, right, right. And
0: I threw it down there without claiming one way or the other. And I noticed that I think people who read it. And liked it, we liked it because the first paragraphs about the needs of the many outweigh the needs of the one. But I don't think they read all the way through it to see that there's actually a, a whole another layer to it that's not as cut and dry as that. Yeah. And, you know, where we draw the line in this particular vaccination case, like a lot of people you could negotiate with and say, well, what if the person has debilitating health effects? You want to make them take a vaccine? And they most people will go, yeah, you, you know, you can't basically poison people if, the, if it's gonna make them sick right and then they'll t- start to backtrack and talk about how well it's not, it doesn't make that many people sick and that outweighs this blah 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 but the thing is the person post we're talking about he's not at risk for getting sick from the vaccine. And the idea that he thinks he is, or that he can exercise his freedom of choice because somehow the vaccine represents this problematic chemical. Um, we're talking about someone who used to put all kinds of crazy fucking chemicals in his body for, for a long time for the temporary pleasure of getting high. Right. And so the, the irony that he's staking out a position around this. Because of his freedom of choice, as if his body's going to be permanently damaged, just seems so, so what's the word I'm looking for? Um, incongruous.
1: Um, yeah, exactly. yeah, We all agree stop at a Mm -hmm. red light we're not i don't see anyone out on a corner going it's my right to run through the red light it's my choice the government put that there our
0: metaphors get used a lot except that you can choose not to drive
1: yeah but what i'm saying is that's the thing that's ultimately what it is it's a choice you don't want to get vaccinated don't get vaccinated there's repercussions with our choices and the truth is we don't really know the repercussions of either choice deeply. And we do know there's a lot of m- misinformation out about, you know, like the people who said, well, this thing was just pushed through in a couple months. I've seen interviews with this one woman who was one of them in the, the spike thing. And she says, we've been working on this for 40 years.
0: Yeah. You know, they so- have been. And they've, that's one of the things that the anti mRNA, vaccine people say is that every time they've done studies with that thing, they've, you know, in animals, there's like these weird repercussions that happen, which why they haven't brought it forth until now. And the reality is a whole lot of people got together and cashed in a lot of scientific research energy. To up-level the modeling, the digital modeling, the the theoretical physics, and really do the work. Why did they do that? Because people were dying at an incredibly fast rate. And we didn't know. And so in the absence of knowing, you go for what you can. And then later, as you figure stuff out... You can sort of pull back. You can go okay. Like we realize, there's this a this
1: juxtaposition minute. going on with what you're saying and the meditation music in the background.
0: <laughs> Welcome to my life.
1: <laughs> whoever I'm
0: a living Zen koan.
1: Yeah, whoever determined the soundtrack choice to your diatribe is, are <laughs> <they're> fired.
0: <laughs> no, I did. I determined.
1: They're fired. It. You're fired.
0: Hey, <laughs> um, <Okay>, Donald. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that's what I loved with Spikes' um, documentary is, you know, you see these fucking huge ice trailer trucks full of bodies. Yeah. You know, so that's he really let the image and people telling their own personal story speak. And then, you know, he put in a little bit of his own personal story and his wife. That had more to do with 9-11, though, than I think the COVID thing.
0: Well, there was a thing about how Brooklyn responded to Manhattan. It was really kind of a subtle part of that whole thing. But when you when you look at the person identifies who they are. Oh, I'm so and so from Brooklyn. Right. right.
1: Well, he did that whole thing, you know, Brooklyn, strong, Brooklyn, Brooklyn. Brooklyn. There was like that 30 second.
0: Right. But this is one of the really super subtle subtexts of the whole four part series is that Brooklyn came to the rescue of Manhattan.
1: Yeah. Well, they jumped in. Yes, they did. Yes. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And Manhattan came to Manhattan's rescue. I'm not saying there were pansies or anything.
1: Right.
0: Not that there's anything wrong with being a flower, but,
1: um, (laughs) I'm sorry. I just choked on that. Just threw up into the back of my throat. <laughs>
0: uh, I wished I could have pushed your mute button just as I was seeing you wind up to.
1: <laughs> think yeah, you can't. <clears throat> what would you think of the nine eleven aspects of his documentary? Did you say I can't? I am Oz, the great and normal.
0: For those of you who weren't watching, I muted Greg because I happened to be the Zoom originator on the call just to, to fuck with them. Again, in contrast to my beautiful meditation music.
1: <laughs>
0: here's me playing out five-year-old shit with my friend.
1: Yep, yep that's what this is about. Moped outlaws. Five-year-olds have... At what? At, uh, without
0: uh, driver's licenses, loose on the road, without without any protection.
1: Yeah. So what did you think about the 9-11 aspect, which really, like, it was the last episode that really concentrated on that?
0: Well, I think that it was an important thing to <laughs> revisit in the 20th anniversary of the... the Falling of the Twin Towers, the attack on the Pentagon, and the, um, well, the disintegration of Flight 97. Because what happened after that drove a lot of what's causing some of the blowback and fear that we're having now, the security issues. Because, you know, the doctrine of, um, Surveillance was restored. The you know we were there was all kinds of stuff right before then. We were dismantling parts of the military. Lots of military contractors were going to be losing their budgets. There was um, a massive uptick in military spending at that point, and then a massive intrusion into um, the privacy of people's lives and. <clears throat> You have to actually spend a lot of time and energy to find out just how deep that goes and the kind of crap that was going on with AT&T and how they were tapping everybody's phone and collecting it all into a giant database. Literally every call that you've been on since 2001 has gone into a massive storage device there with an AI that, that keyword searches for stuff in the conversation. Keyword searches for accents from different cultures, different languages. Now, I read a lot about that. At first, I was really worried, like, oh, shit. And then I'm like, well, yeah, I don't like it. I think it's wrong. It's not what we stand for. And then I realized, like, okay, there are so many calls being made on any given hour of any given day that it's actually literally impossible for them to sift through all of it. To find my little story about wanting to, you know, talk dirty to my girlfriend or like tell my friend about the pimple on my ass or whatever the fucking thing is that I would be embarrassed about, about having the government listen to my conversations. And I was like, yeah, that's part of the problem is that, you know, the surveillance state claims all this stuff. And then the reality is, they can't actually f- stop it. They can't actually figure this stuff out, even though they use these things to justify it. Now, the third layer is, well, there's probably security officials who would say, well, we can't tell you about the times that we heard about stuff that we were actually were able to stop it, right? And it's just the rabbit hole, right? That, that term itself wasn't really as even as, as used until 9-11, Right. Going down the rabbit hole. I mean, you had to be into the Kennedy assassination to be a conspiracy theorist before that. What do I think? I think there is literally is an economic dumbing down of the fourth estate. Less and less, we get deep. News analysis with pros and cons And debate in it and more and more We get every freaking news station Saying the same 30 second soundbite And everybody's trying To find the most Potent soundbite that will get Everybody to clickbait on it (sighs) Right. And ah, just that the whole culture's intellectual capacity and critical thinking skills and analyzing the political context in which we live or the social context in which we live is being minimized and shrunken and shrunken and shrunken. And that's a tragedy.
1: Well, John Stewart, when he had his <clears throat> daily show, this is what, 15 years ago, I remember he did a bit on talking points and it was around the election time and he just showed. Newscast after newcast, verbatim, saying the exact thing. And I was like, well, fuck it. When I see that, I'm like, just throw it all out. Cause yeah, there, there is, there is a lot of chaos going on in society and with politics and media. So it's almost like that statement, you know, I just was listening to an old Jay-Z song today. He said he heard from an old person, um, don't argue with an idiot, because from a distance, no one can tell the difference.
0: Who, which one's the idiot, you mean?
1: Right, exactly.
0: Yeah. They <laughs> both look like idiots. So,
1: <laughs> so there's this element of, you know, like with with something so obvious, just walk away, because me – Attempting anything with it is I'm, I'm as foolish as the foolish chaos I'm attempting to, I don't know, heal, right? What? I don't know. Well, I think
0: there's something to what you're saying in terms of oppositional argumentation. And I found in my own practice that when I actually am able to create connection and empathy – what happens in what seems to be a polarized opposing conversation is that the positions soften. And once someone feels more heard, they're more willing to discuss the su- more subtle nuances and implications. And so if you go hard at someone's premise as if to debase it and therefore debase their ego of, uh, because they're identified with their opinion, uh-huh. then that's what you get. You get more resistance and more hardness and more debasement. But if you acquiesce and soften and then recognize Hey, I hear how that feels for you. And then ask them a question that's in alignment with your point of view, but opens them up to the human experience as, as they might ex- also share it. They often will shift and it'll seem contradictory to their egoic, uh, our egoic persona. And that's the other thing. We've got this kind of ego about who we are, because now we're all social stars. We're all media stars now, right? We all have our Facebook pages and we have our social media. And it's like, that's another part of us. we're all protecting our ego so much in order to be right. And I learned a few years ago that I'd rather be connected than be right.
1: Well, yes. And that's one of the Profound statements a lot of people pull from ghosts and miracles. Would you rather be happy or right? Uh, The other day in meditation, I was meditating on my connection, my attachment to my breath and how my breathing, I was sensing I was an integral part of who I think I am. Like like Greg Wilker's breathing, and there's an a there's a like locked attachment to that, and my thought with that was like that's going to create a lot of trouble when it's time for me to die maybe well if, if you're, I'm, if you're I'm awake fighting, if I'm fighting for that breath,
0: Well, you have to be conscious to to do to have that struggle
1: Oh, is there something you know that I don't know? Is there something you want to share with me, Mr. white
0: Sure. If you are just don't look behind you, Greg, if you are um, not able to reason with that part of your brain that would want to think about whether you're breathing or not, then when you stop breathing, you won't be able to have there won't be that struggle because you won't have that mental activity.
1: Are you talking about the benefits of morphine?
0: Well, that's one way to look at it. Another is if you just got knocked out in the head, if you just get bonked on the head <laughs> and you're, you're not there to think about the fact that you can't breathe.
1: That just made me think of the jumpers of nine 11. Oh God. Yeah. That description that <clears throat> of what was left.
0: Well, and the, the really horrific choice of am I, do I want to die of smoke inhalation Ooh, or do fire. I want to jump out the- or fire or jump out the window
1: yeah like
0: what what's these this looks like the choice I have, and on one choice? level, I would like to argue that there's a third choice well, why don't I just hang on to the outside of the building for a while, and then of course, the building falls, so that wouldn't have mattered,
1: yeah Whew. I hope I never have that choice in my lifetime. I hope so too, thank you,
0: yeah, yeah. Uh yeah. Wow. Well, I I get the connection between meditation and the rehearsal for crossing the threshold. Like there's something there to expand upon. Like anyone who's listening to this call who wants to get really super serious, that's a really great thing to contemplate when you're meditating is is, you know, letting go, surrendering at the level of allowing yourself not to suffer in the moment of passing. And um it sounds really noble and interesting and groovy to practice. And I'll just be honest. One of the things that I do in my qigong practice every day is called sealing the cauldron.
1: And yeah, you talked about this last week.
0: Yeah. So I can't hold my breath for very long.
1: Well, the practice to hold it a little longer each time.
0: Well, I'm told not that that's performative and that that's not the point, but the awareness is the point.
1: The awareness of that border of survival? Well, <clears throat> can
0: you let go when the mind says, I need to stop holding my breath and just let the body dictate?
1: Can you do that?
0: I don't know. <laughs> I think that's why I experiment every day.
1: Every day? Every day? Every day? What
0: I know that this like back to my whole nightmare scenario that we talked about at the beginning of the call, what I'd noticed in the last two weeks, which is not, it does not feel good is I'm, I'm having this panic right when I'm about to fall asleep.
1: Hmm.
0: Like I'm not going to be able to breathe.
1: Really? That's wild.
0: And, and it's weird. It's like, just that moment when you're like gonna drift away to sleep and it's supposed to be super cool chill right and i'm getting this like hit of adrenaline and be
1: like oh fuck (laughs) that's a fucked up way to go to sleep do you think there's any merit to you doing that sleep apathy what not apathy (laughs) Sleep apathy. sleep
0: apathy I don't care if I
1: sleep. Yeah, it seems like it. <laughs> so what is it? Ap what is it called? I have sleep apnea. Apnea. Yeah. Do you think there's any merit to you doing that test and see if that's happening?
0: Well, I have sleep apnea and I Oh, you
1: know you do? You
0: and sleep? I have a s I have a device that I use to help compensate for oh, it. Oh really? Yeah. And that's what's so weird about it.
1: That is weird
0: but i you know i i i sort of decoded it because i was talking to a mutual friend of ours a really amazing um physician and uh dr michelle veniziano uh she's a oh i forget what they talk
1: osteopathic. call osteopathic
0: osteopathic but she's also um multifasic well, yeah, she is hot. That's true. But um, she was talking about how n- uh, nasal breathing is the path to healing a lot of different nervous system things. Mm-hmm. And that being able to sleep and breathe through your nose is like a next level um, capacity. And so I've been practicing sleep or breathing through my nose when I'm sleeping as much as I can. But I know that there's a moment when I go unconscious that I return immediately to mouth breathing. And I think that's what's happening. I think that that, that moment where I transition from nose breathing to mouth breathing, my body has this moment where it's it doesn't know what to do.
1: Have you and, um, practiced nose breathing while exercising? I think so. You don't know.
0: <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, I'm not sure what you mean by that, but I, I mean, have. like you only breathe through your nose. While yeah. When like, I ride my bike and when I do my Qigong and all those things. Right. Yeah. when yeah. I'm
1: yeah. So I think that's helping to create a habit of nose breathing.
0: Oh yeah. I definitely made huge progress in that area and I value it. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, but there's this moment where my body like, I I go unconscious and my mouth opens and that's how I breathe when I'm asleep and I can tape my mouth shut. I've heard there's that story, but, um, it feels really claustrophobic, right? And, uh, Back, like, since my health is part of what we're talking about, one of the weird things I noticed, because my my CPAC gives me a reading about how many times I have episodes where I stop breathing at night. And I've noticed that on nights when I eat ice cream, I have zero episodes. Really? Which is fucked up.
1: I know that it can't
0: be that great for me to have sugar and dairy. Like, I hardly ever eat dairy. You know, I'm into my oat milk and all that stuff. and
1: Well, they have uh, oat milk, you know, ice cream.
0: Yeah. I'm sure it's the sugar or whatever. But it's it seems so weird to me. Like, you would think that the thing that would disrupt me would be... But I think the sugar crash sends me into a deeper level of sleep. And I think this is related to my years of marijuana use because... I would get high every day. And so I would basically pass out at night from being right. stoned. Right. And often that was really like, I had weed and sugar in my body and that sh- blood sugar drop sends you into a deep hole. It's great.
1: <laughs> I, I, <laughs> I don't know what it cost me. I mean, you. Well, see, what? now we're going back to that element that we talked about earlier about, mm-hmm. you know, so it could be that decades of a habit, created some biological programming Mm -hmm. that's going to take a while to unprogram if ever, if ever. Right.
0: Right. So what I have is I have choice and my choice is to not go back to, um, mouth breathing unless I'm unconscious and don't know what I'm doing and to not eat sugar and dairy before bed and not smoke weed.
1: And I think what that brings me to is I lo- I am excited about the choice of the unknown, you know. Because what you're talking about, that's where I go to. Like I know what I did, and well, how about what's this next step? Like I have no fucking idea. Right. Let's find out. Let's see what's in this dark, unaware area.
0: Yeah, that's what I love about pioneers in consciousness. Like, there's this layer of it where we think sociologically like, well, oh, it starts with weed, psilocybin acid, you know, uh, and then you get to a point where you're like, well, what's possible without any of that? And you start start talking to people that have do these breath practices like diaphragmatic breathing and various other psychedelic breath practices, and it's a whole other world, you know?
1: Yeah, the whole other world part for me is kind of like a candy store. It's like, that's not where I want my purpose to be. Like, I was just thinking, like, there's um, been a few meditation teachers that I've heard talk about, you know, transplanetary traveling Mm. mentally and... And I was like, I've never experienced anything like that. I like, you know, that's not what I'm really going for. Like honestly, but, you know, let's use a few trigger words here. God. That's what I'm going for. An experience and knowing God. That realm of infinite love, joy, hope, peace, love. There's a fifth one I always forget.
0: Faith. Be careful which finger
1: you use. Fuck you, Jesus! No, not right. I take that back.
0: Joy, love, peace. Love, joy and ecstasy, ecstasy are
1: kind of the same thing. Yeah. Um, anyway, but that's that is what I'm wanting to connect with, and I have faith that it is real, and that there is an ability to connect in such a manner that that's one's experience 24 seven.
0: Yeah. Um, I hear that. Like there's a way to get out from under the delusions of the ego into a place where you recognize life for a different aspect other than right. And I think that's, Personally, why I've always been so curious about all the different esoteric studies and various things is like, you know, people are looking for answers. I don't know if I'm looking for answers so much as I have this belief that there's a way of being that feels good. Mm -hmm. That isn't what you normally mean by pleasure seeking. Mm hmm. Right. And there's there's the capacity to receive and, and accept and have, you know, stress or suffering in that context and not have it not mean being happy, like being right.
1: Yeah. I was reflecting on what you shared last week about the gentleman who doesn't use any Novocaine or gas when he's at the dentist. And I've heard that from a few men and I thought. Well that's a really neat macho thing, and I can appreciate that but how are you with the unknown with the the empathetic aspects of emotion and how do you do with the feminine energies of empathy and serene gentleness you know like
0: well I can tell you without revealing this person's identity that they do they don't do well in Male female relationships for very long. They like to go to the bar.
1: Um, so there's an element of like, okay, that's neato. You got that one down. Why don't you pick one of these other things that you're fucking struggling with? Are
0: you shooting on him? Are you giving him yeah. a good?
1: Yeah. <laughs> Fuck yeah, I am. <laughs> like, you, you want to, it, like, it's almost like that fucking Eddie Murphy joke about, uh, um, Oh, come on. Songs and the Key of Life. Uh, Stevie Wonder. Right. You know? So, oh, yeah, you want to fucking impress me? Take the steering wheel. You know? Like, yeah, you want to, yeah, okay, that's really neat at the dentist. You want to impress me? Do something you're fucking uncomfortable with. All right, that'll impress me.
0: Well, I'll tell you offline about what that actually looks like for him, because if I did it right now, it would be the triangulation. Everyone would know who I'm talking about. Uh, And I think we're not going to
1: out this gentleman, Jerry Smith. You're safe with that.
0: It's just about integrity. You yes, know? Uh, we don't have permission to talk about him like this. So we
1: don't need his permission. No, I'm just joking. Don't, I love that.
0: I love that about you. I think that's another way of dropping the ego. Like, why couldn't, what, what's this idea that I can't talk about? Who
1: are now? we protected? Exactly. Right. Who are we protecting? That's.
0: We're, I'm protecting my own ego that doesn't want to have to look at this guy in the face and feel bad about having talked about <laughs> it behind his
1: back. All right, let's, the, the, the recording has stopped. <laughs> Recording stopped.